This past week, I was joking with my son Jordan, and he uh, was in the car, and we checked the mail. And uh, I opened the mail up in there because I kind of knew what it was. It, it, it was. it was a check, large amount check. Don't you love it when you get those? $34,000 with my name on it. No joke. They just don't pass those out to anybody, let me tell you. It was all good besides the fine print that says this is not an actual check. But outside of that... I opened that up, and Jordan didn't know what it was. I said, son, it was no accident that we got this in the mail today, but I want you to have it. <laughs> and I said, I want, maybe put it towards your college fund, maybe just go buy you a brand new car or shop for you a Mustang or whatever, but dad wants you to have this money. And, and he said, dad, that ain't real. And I'm like, you're right, it's not real. <laughs> You get stuff like that all the time. It's, it's like answering the phone, and they, they turn around, and it's a recorded message You've won a cruise for you and your family. And, you know, what do you do? Like, oh, great, me? How, how was I chosen? No, you just hang up. He's like, why would you give up a cruise? It is a lie. <laughs> it's not true. It's just bait or a creative advertisement to pull you in for something that you don't need. There's a bottom line. There's a cost. There always is. That's how Satan works. I just thought about this. This world is filled with lies. I know that's an example of junk mail and, you know, bulk phone calls that they send out trying to get you to buy something. But let's be honest. There's nowhere that you can turn that you don't have that. Because the, the thing is, there's a God of this world. And the Bible tells us that the God of this world, he is a liar. He is a thief. He's come to steal and destroy the Bible talks about what he does and how he does it. He works through lies all the way from Genesis. He'll do it all the way till Revelation. That is who he is. So this morning, if you're here, I want to preach you just the flat out truth. And for some of you, you're going to sit there and say, I've known this my whole life. And that is, it. That is you just sit there and pray. But God definitely clearly laid this on my heart to preach today. Here's the truth that I want you to understand. Number one. We are all cursed with sin. You can sit there and say, Pastor Tony, I know that. The, the Bible says from the very beginning that we were born in sin. Sin is all around us. I, I, I know people that say, I don't believe in God. I don't believe in church. I don't believe in this and that. But the one thing that we can all agree on is this world is cursed. Every time you hear the word cancer, you can, you can acknowledge that the world is cursed. Every time you hear about somebody that was killed in a car accident or a family that was ripped apart or ISIS took control of a, a group and all the terrorism junk that we have in this world, do you know what that is? That is a result that sin is in this world. Can't deny it. And then although people that might not step in the church to hear about what God has to say about sin, when they step out of church, they're going to experience sin. It's all around them and you cannot deny the fact that sin is in this world. This is how it started. Romans 5.12, it says, Wherefore by one man's sin entered into the world. And death by sin. It didn't just come in. It came in with an agenda. It came in with a penalty. And the Bible says, So death passed upon all men, which includes every breathing soul that is here today. For that all have sinned. 
The Bible explains to us about this sin that has come in the world, about the power of sin, how it has a grip on humankind and how it pulls us in and how people would sit there and say, even good-hearted people, I don't want it to touch me. I'll tell you, when you're living in this world, it's all around you. And the Bible says that Satan has this cool tool called temptation, where if you don't want it, it will come looking for you. You don't have to go looking for it. As a result, as you have humankind that we lie, we cheat, we steal, we lust, we all do. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fallen short and come short of the glory of God. I'm going to tell you something. I don't want you to get mad at me because here's, here's the thing. I, tell, I told you the title of this message is the truth. The Pope is a sinner. Every preacher on TV is a sinner. Every politician. We'll skip that one. Every mom. Every dad. Pastor Joe was able to talk to a, a couple people this week. And they, they were talking about how they, didn't, they were scared to come in the church because of the sin, of the life that they've lived. Pastor Joe said, let me tell you, every person that's already there waiting for you in that church is a sinner as well. We don't understand it. The Bible says, for by grace are you saved and not of yourself. See, it's, it's nothing that we can do to remove this sin. See, sin gets us and it starts to gain control. It takes control. It has an agenda. Once it takes root, it does not let go. I, I, I'm explaining this because let me put it like this. And I'm going I'm to create a timeline as we go through this. This is beginning of time. Let's just put it right there. You were born in sin. You cannot escape sin. In your life you will have sin. It will get a grip of you. You say, I'm not me. I'm here to tell you it doesn't matter who you are. You can't control it. Sin has more power than your willpower. This is why good-hearted young people end up doing things on dates that they regret. This is why good-hearted men that love their families go back drinking when they promise their wives, I'll never touch it again. This is why good moms that love their white husbands and love their kids end up having emotional affairs on, on Facebook and other social media. You know why? Because there's sin in this world. The Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. David loved God. David had a passion for God. David was a good person. But David was a sinner. He was a sinner. You guys know all the story of what he did and how he fell, but he, David began to lust after this woman. Let me tell you what happens. And, this is, and you're sitting there saying, oh, I know this, but let me tell you why you have this. There is a battle that will go on in your heart and mind. You say, I don't want to do this. And we, we live in the world, and, and maybe you've grown up around church, and you don't know God, but you know the principles of this. And you say, man, I just want to be a good person. You desiring to be a good person will never change the fact that you are born in sin. We'll never change that. David had in his heart, I, I want to please God, but David saw that woman. David had slowly drifted from God. David in his flesh, with his eyeballs, the same eyeballs that you have. With his heart, the same dirty heart that we have. With David's lust, the same lust that we have. That you were born with. 
saw the woman and a battle broke out in his heart, in his mind, and it began to take control. And you guys know what it is. You don't sit there and go, wow, David was a bad person. No, we all are. I shouldn't, but I want to. I need to look away, but I can't. I am done just one more time. And all of a sudden, David had this battle because David jumped into a wrestling match with something that was more powerful than David was. It was called sin. Every day, all of us battle and confronted with a powerful source called sin. In James 1.15, the Bible says, Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. See, David's problem was not seeing Bathsheba. David's problem was looking back again and letting it go from his head to his heart. The Bible says that when sin hath conceived, that word conceived means to seize, to arrest, to capture, to catch. See, Satan sets traps all over the place, the same way that we will set a, a mouse trap with cheese on it. He knows how to bait you. Without us thinking about the consequence. He knows how to allure our flesh. Because we're not only born in sin. We're born in the flesh. It captures our hearts. It captures our thoughts. And then that jealousy and that image on TV that you saw. Or that person that said something to you. that, That rage, that anger, whatever it is. It begins to take control. It's rooted in your heart. Before long, you are saying things you should not say. You are looking at things you should not look at. You are going to places you should not go. You are bringing things into your life and bringing things into your heart and bringing things into your mind that you have no business touching or doing, but you do it anyways. Because we're born in sin. Sin begins to take control. David knew that taking Bathsheba was wrong, but the lust in his heart was driving him. You can judge David, but whether it is jealousy or anger or frustration or pride or bitterness or anything else, it will begin to take control of your life. Your attitude will change. Your worship will change. Your witness will change. Your attitude towards your wife That is how good-hearted people that say, I love my kids, will get in the flesh and yell at their kids when they should not yell at their kids. It is sin. The truth about sin is it never satisfies. You will always want more. Never once have I ever talked to a, a, a crackhead or a dope addict or an alcoholic that said, I took one and I was good to go. I was like, that, hey, that, that, quenched, that hit the spot. No, the next day you'll go back and the next day you'll go back. Let me say, it is not just porn and heroin and those things. It is jealousy. It is greed. It is pride. Get a taste of it and tell me if it ever satisfies. Oh, it is pleasure for a season. But then it just puts that hook in your mouth and pulls you back again and again. And before long, it pulls you further than you plan to go. It brings you to places you never thought you'd go. David had it in his mouth. Before long, he's calling in people and he's saying, Guys, I want you to do something. I want you to go take that woman. She's a married man. David, you know that. You shut up and listen to me. This is what I want. I want this. Blinded to his greed. Blinded to his lust. Blinded to what he wanted. For the sake of his sin and his lust. You see, we can allow our anger to get the best of us. 
then we end up blasting someone we love on Facebook or spreading rumors or hating people or doing things to spite people, not because we want to, but because it's sin in our lives. And the only result that you actually get is guilt and misery. The truth about sin is you can't hide it. The Bible says that be sure your sin will find you out. Every story in the Bible that you read about sin has a result where God exposed it. But let me tell you, it's not only God that exposes it. It is Satan that desires to expose the sin in your life. And you say, that does not make sense. You, you realize what he wants to do? He wants to destroy you. See, we're, we're getting that point. In sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth what, church? Death. See, the next thing, he, he gets you hooked on it. He gets you appetizing. He changes your mind. He changes your heart. It's all around. You cannot escape it. It's in your life. You can do nothing about it. Sin brings shame. And that addiction and that problem, he loves for that one day to shove you out in front of your boss where you're staggering in the work or you're trying to cover up that addiction. You're covering up that lie. You're covering up that lust. You're covering up that problem and satan says that was my goal the whole time you thought it was just about you having fun with that i wanted your wife to know i wanted the kids to know i wanted the church to know that was my goal the last thing i can tell you about sin is the truth is it destroys from the first time that person took the draw of that first drug that first time that you try to cover up to lie to your spouse. The first time you look up those websites. Sin will not just walk away. The Bible says sin when it is finished. You know why it says when it is finished? Because it had an agenda when it started. When you try to get away, Satan sits there and goes, I'm not done with you. You come back here. I put the hook in your mouth. I'm pulling you in. You cannot get away. There is nothing you can do. Satan never plays fair. Let me tell you, he takes joy in watching sin lead to divorce. He takes joy in watching the victory of that man kill an entire family because he got into a car drunk. He cares nothing about that teenager that overdosed at that party. He not only doesn't care, he takes joy in what he does. So while that's depressing, well, let me tell you, that's what we're born in. That's where you live. And that's what you'll die with. And that's the truth. You say, wow, that's pretty depressing. I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. The truth is that we are cursed with sin. But here's the good news. The truth is Christ is our only cure. See, this is, this is the part that I know, but I can't fully under, uh, explain it. It's, if, if you want to know why we say this is amazing grace, it's amazing because I can't put it into words. I can't explain it. I can't earn it. I, I, I cannot fully understand it. So I want, you to, I want you to study a passage with me, okay? In 1 John chapter 4, verse 9. Now, a lot of you know this, but I, I want to I bring it home because we've got we, to understand what we're looking at here. 
The Bible says that there is a destination, an agenda of my sin. The wages of my sin is death. From the time I'm born, this is me. And let me tell you, from the time I'm born, I'm headed here. Say, not me. I hate to break the news to you. Every one of us was born with an expiration date. As it is appointed unto men once to die. You can't escape it. You can't change it. And the Bible says that we were born in the sin, but then we get into the cure. And this was manifested. The love of Christ. The love of God toward us. Because that God sent his only begotten son in the world that we might live through him. Do you realize that life is the opposite of death? Here in his love. Not that we love God. But that he loved us. And sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. For our sins. Everything that we just talked about, Christ came for. I, I, I get into this, and I know that a lot of us understand it, and you're saying, man, you, of course. Do you realize that what Christ did, and, and, and let me just explain it like this. The Bible says that God came, and you just... Not, not for the good-hearted and not for the perfect and not for the churchgoers. And not that what Christ came for was those people that try to hide their sin of that fornication or try to hide the sin of killing that baby when they were younger or try to hide that, hide that sin of what they did that their parents don't even know about. God said, I know all of those things. I said, I knew that. He said, I not only knew it, but I came for this. He said, but, but the Bible talks about the payment of our sin is death. And this was manifested, the love of God. He made a visual. Christ said that I came for your sin. And we all know the destination that Christ came. It was for the cross. Without a doubt, you're going to say, I know that. But the Bible talks about he took on himself. All of these things. He made a visual of what he was talking about. And I know when we say the cross at the cross and we sing about the cross and we hang the cross up and we say, I know what the cross was. That's what Christ did and why he died for me, for his love for me. But in this, he made a visual. It was manifest. You see, what he was doing is he was making that which was guilty innocent. I know that we know that Christ was crucified on the cross, but think about it. He was made sin for us, correct? So visualize this. Christ came and he took our sin. And Christ said, I, I carried the sin of that adulterous woman. and I, I knew the sin of that, that beggar. And I knew the sin of Judas. And I knew the sin of Peter. And I knew the sin of all these people. You understand that I knew all of that? And the Bible says that in this was the love of God that he took our sin. And what did he do? The Bible says that with this was manifested. He began to crucify, nail to the cross our sin. Do you know why Christ was crucified? Because they wanted him dead. Do you know why Christ wanted to be crucified? He wanted it dead. He took and of himself 
The very thing that we were powerless to overcome. The very thing that he knew that I could never face enough myself. And a lot of us are going to say, Pastor Tony, I know that aspect of it. I know that he died on the cross. I know this. Go back to this verse. Here in his love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. That word has a deep meaning, and a lot of times we look at that and say, oh, that's just an old, archaic King James word. No, it's not. It has deep, amazing meaning to it. In the Old Testament, they would carry around the Ark of the Covenant. And that Ark of the Covenant, they they would actually place in the Holy of Holies, and that's where God would meet with those. You say, what was in that Ark of the Covenant? I can't even imagine what they would put in it. A lot of you already know that. You know what they put in it? Moses came off the top and he had all these people that were ranting and raving and worshiping this golden cow and all these people were bowing down and rebelling against God and Moses took the Ten Commandments and he threw them down and they busted. And God pulled them off the side and he says, I want you to keep those. I want you to put them in that ark. Later, God was doing amazing things and the people doubted God and God made the, the, the rod of Aaron bud. And God says, you know what? That represents the doubt of the children of Israel. I want you to put that in the ark. Later we read in that same story about how they were complaining that God was giving them the same food over and over again. And they complained against God of the provision of God. And God said, you know what? They don't like the manna, but I want you to take some of that manna and I want you to put it in the ark. And all of those things that they carried around with them represented the sin, the doubt, the the, the frustration that God had with them. Here's the thing. God cannot dwell with sin. God cannot be in the presence of sin. So they had to bring it in that place of worship. But they covered it. And that covering was the propitiation. The covering of our sin. And they would carry that around and they could not see it. Nobody could see it. And God would worship and dwell with them because they could not see their sin. And the Bible says in the New Testament, we had a new covering of our sin. His name was Jesus. And the Bible says not only did he crucify our sin, the Bible says that he covered our sin. Here it is, we're all sinners and there's nothing that you could do. And the power that holds us and the power that indwells us and the power that follows us and the power of sin that grips us, there is nothing that you and I could ever do to change that power. But it met a power greater than the power of sin on that day. And The Bible says that the blood of Jesus Christ covered it as the sacrifice, took our place, paid the debt, of our sin. You say why? For the very fact of what the verses say over and over again. Because God loved us that much. But the thing that you have to understand. God's love is not forced. When we encounter his love. We hear his story. See in a visual of who we are in this life. Every single day. We are born with this sin. From the time that you are born. That is why you don't have to teach your child to lie. It's why the first time when you actually blatantly hear your child lie and they're sitting there with cookie crumbs all over their face and chocolate chip chocolate all over their face and they sit there and ask them, did you take a cookie? And they tell you no. 
What are they doing? They know at that point what a lie is, and they do it from their heart. It might be a cookie when they're two, but I tell you, it's many more sins from there on out because we're all born in sin. And the truth of the matter is the wages of our sin is death. And I cannot change that whatsoever. And I told you what Christ has done for us on the cross, that he took our sin. But the thing is, it has to be received for the gift of God. It is not forced upon us. God loved us that much that he's given us the gift of salvation. So somewhere along our lives we encounter the cross. Say, I don't believe that. But see, here's the thing. This is... This is where it hits home. You are not here by accident. See, every time we hear about the redemption of the cross and what Christ has done for us on the cross, and we hear the word of God, all these things that we've done, is because God wanted you to hear it. And the sovereignty of God, he knew and looked down in your heart and said, you know what, in your sin, I'm going to give you a solution. It might be through a, a redneck pastor at Fellowship Baptist Church as he stumbles through a message. But let me tell you, it is the blood of Jesus Christ that will change your sin. And that is it. And that is the only way for a cure of your sin. Faith cometh by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. Through the preaching of God's word or the testimony of somebody or the singing of a song or the, the track given to you at a door or somebody loving you enough to invite you to church or whatever the case might be, that is the mercy of God. Him giving you what you do not deserve. Him knowing that you will die with your sin unless something greater and more powerful than you has the power to take it from you. So we go through life. And we face the dilemma as we're introduced to the cross of Jesus Christ. And Christ says, you're going to die one day. But the dilemma is, and the question that I have for you, are you going to try to pay for your sin or are you going to allow God to pay for your sin? Here's the last part. Because there's one more truth. And that is judgment is coming. When you pass the cross, when you've heard it but not believed, when you see it and you ignore it, when you choose to face the end of your sin by yourself, the Bible says in Hebrews 9.27, as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. See, we all have an appointment with death. The same way that I said at the beginning that the one thing that nobody can argue with in this world is that is the fact that we live in a sin-cursed world. The other thing that no man, whether you're an atheist or not, could argue with, and that is the fact that one day you are going to die. The Bible says it is appointed unto men once to die, and after this the judgment. You have an appointment with death, and there is no getting around it. The Bible says that it will be a day that people are shocked on this day because the truth will be revealed. In Revelation chapter 20, verse 11, the Bible says, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whom the face and the earth and the heavens fled away. And there was none, found no place for them. On that day, the lost will stand before them. It will be at this place when you die, when your number is called, when you don't know when it is, but God does. And God said, He's appointed on you on this point. After that, you pass right into the judgment of Christ. And on that day, the Bible says that he will stand before us. And I love how it says in this passage, whom the face and the earth and the heavens fled away. There is no greater glory than the glory of our God. 
And the Bible says on that day the glory of God will be so great that the moon and the stars and everything will fleet away to only be the presence of our God. With you standing in the midst of it. On that day the lost will stand before God to be judged. And the truth will be known. The truth will be known that he is God. You will stand before him as the God that went before you to die on the cross to save you of your sins. Bible says in verse 12, and I saw the dead, small and great, same before God. There will be no favorites involved. There will not be one person that says that I grew up in church. There will not be any of those people that said, I've heard this, or I know this, or I've been around this. The Bible says small and great, young and old, rich and poor, black and white. People that have been in church for months and people that have been in church for years. Bible says all of them will be there on that day. People say things to me like, don't judge me. You don't know me, don't judge me. The Bible says on this day you will be judged by the one that knows everything about you. The Bible says, and the books were open, another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. On this day you will stand before the righteous judge, and yes, he knows every detail about your life. The Bible says that these books were open to review your life. Imagine as God opens the books and says, I didn't know. And God says, no, you did know. God says, let me recall in your life when you went to church day after day, when you sat there as a teenager and you sat there as a single person, you sat there in your 50s and 60s and you heard it and you never had peace in your heart. God says, on all of those days, I showed you mercy over and over again. I gave you the truth to your loved ones. I gave you the truth to your family. I had those preachers preach. No, you passed the cross and you went to death. You rejected me as your savior and today you will meet me as your judge. That's the two options. But it's a wonderful thing to know that today that Jesus Christ's grace is greater than our sin. It's greater than our past. It's greater than our mistakes. Not one thing did we ever face or do that is not big enough or powerful enough to overcome the precious blood of Jesus Christ. The Bible says they will be judged out of those things which are written in the books according to their works. God said when you were born in sin, you played the games, you sat in church, you heard the word of God, and you made excuses over and over again. I'm not just talking about people that have never been to church. I'm talking about those that sit in church with no peace in their heart. And to be honest, the churches are filled with those. When God calls us home, I believe that churches are going to be more filled with people in the pews than we're thinking about today. Because of those that play games with God. You don't believe me, just ask Judas. As he burns in hell today saying, I kissed the door of heaven and went to hell. The Bible says that there will be a religious crowd in Matthew chapter 7. They say, Lord, Lord, have we not done many things in thy name and cast out devils? Lord, Lord, have we not proclaimed the name of God? He said, yes, you did with your works, but never with your heart. It wasn't until I was 16 years old before I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. You know why? Because I struggled with my sin and with my flesh because I did not want to expose myself for the liar that I was. So I played the game. I danced to the devil's tune. I went through the motions. I had every action in place because I did not want to unveil myself. 
you realize even growing up in church and going to Christian school and knowing the books of the Bible and having my walls filled with Awana words, I still would have went to hell because of my sin. And it's no different for you. The Bible says, and the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead that were in them. And they were judged and remained according to the works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. And this is the second death. And listen, whosoever was not found written in the name of the Lamb's book of life, when you came to the cross and you said, God, I'm sorry. God, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. Lord, I know that I've failed you. Lord, I know that I have sinned in my life. Lord, I ask for the gift of Jesus Christ. Without that, your name is not in the book of life and you stand before God by yourself without the redemption of Jesus Christ. All of this because he loved us. One day I will stand before God because I knelt at the cross. I came to the place Or acknowledged him being greater than my sin. It's a matter of if we are willing to confess our sins to God. Understanding that we and of ourselves, you'll never be good enough. And that lie of sin, you see that the thing that you struggle with in your life right now of saying... Well, I, I just don't want to go forward. It's pride, it's sin. I, I just don't know. I, I, I feel like I've done so many good things that in my life that I just can't imagine a loving God. See, a loving God cannot ignore sin. Some of us have been around it so much that we have our head filled with knowledge and our heart is empty. We don't have peace in our heart. We don't have satisfaction. We don't have joy Satan has robbed all of those things. You know why? Because there's something more powerful still living in your life. It's called sin. 16 years old. Sitting back in that area in the church that I was in. I went into that battle. My pride. I'm not going. I'm not going. I'm not going. Something got a hold of me and said, son, this could be your last chance. And I remember stepping over my friends and I was trying to hold back the tears and I was this cool teenage boy and I I didn't want to look weak. And the faster I went down the altar, the easier it got. What I did, I knelt at the altar. I said, I don't want it anymore. Everything that I ever did was covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. One day I'll come to this point and I'll stand before God. Satan will be like, what about his sin? Do you have any idea what he has done? And God says, I don't know, but it's way back there. Calvary covered it all. My sin and shame, they don't count anymore. All praise to the one. Worthy, worthy, worthy is what the Bible says that we will cry out to God on that day. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. 
You see, because of the propitiation of Jesus Christ, when God sees me, all He can see is Jesus Christ covering me with the blood of Jesus Christ. Not my sin, but the blood. So what is covering your sin? What games have you played with God? Have you got this settled? Because if not, you are playing the game of Judas. And it will not end well. Loving Savior, righteous judge. God cannot ignore your sin on that day. And you cannot go back to fix it. That's why God says, now, today, be a hearer and a doer of the word of God. As God pricks our heart, and it's not me trying to pull you down an aisle or convince you. It's got to be the spirit of God. But I'll tell you, he'll do a whole lot better job than my words could ever do. It's not someone dragging you down the aisle or twisting your arm or trying to get you in the family. It's got to be God and God alone. That's it.